the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Open line Friday, 602-508-0960. Let's go to Tony in Scottsdale. Hello, Tony. Oh, wise and wonderful Swami of the political realm. <laughs> you may have the wrong number. Uh, we, <laughs> we, 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 we need your sage and... <laughs> and foresight into the future of the Republican primary. Hey, uh, hey, uh, just as a side, hey, remember what Johnny Carson used to do, his thing with the turban? Yes, the great whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the great whatever, exactly. Hey, uh, so so kind of where I'm coming from here, Seth, is uh, we love Donald Trump. We love his fight. We love his energy. Um, he, he's... I, I, He's got too many negatives to win the general. I believe if he's our candidate, I'm going to vote for him. But uh, what what do you see? What do you see in this? And I love the fact that Larry Elder has joined the race. I think he's going to add tons of intelligence and uh, and energy to the race. What what do you see for the Republican primary? And and uh, uh, how do you see things playing out as we roll uh, roll towards 2024 here? I'm trying to remember that scene. I think it's the movie Manhattan with Woody Allen, where he's at a. Uh, did you ever see it, Tony? <laughs> where he's at a. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's at a. Uh, he's at a New York art art uh, museum, and he sees this attractive woman looking at this picture, and he goes up to her and he says, uh, "What do you see there?" And she says, "Death." Despair, <laughs> sinking black hole, nothingness. And he says, really? What are you doing Saturday night? And she <laughs> says, and she says, she says, she says, wait for it. She says, killing myself. And he says, how about Friday? <laughs> how about Friday? Nice. I'm a little better off on it than that, but I mean, I am looking at the, I'm not looking at the Larry part of this when I think that way a little bit. I'm looking at the DeSantis-Trump fight um, and the way they're waging it when I, when I kind of make that joke and thanks for laughing with it. It it really is a funny scene. Um, You you saw Trump's latest uh, attacking uh, Governor Santis for being such a bad governor and how terrible Florida is. And uh, I, it, I did not. I did not. Yeah, I it's it's a that. weird, weird statement. It's it's going after how how terribly Florida is mismanaged and how it's all the fault of the governor and the taxes have gone up and the pollution and the, all this sort of stuff. And yet at the same time, I just got over the transom, a new big Harvard Harris poll showing Donald Trump uh getting even higher numbers, uh, and DeSantis not really catching up, um, 55 to 20% among Repu- Republican uh, Republican uh, primary voters. 
Um, and and I, I, I hate it in the sense that these are – if DeSantis wins, the Democrats just have to run Donald Trump campaign ads right now, the stuff he's putting out right now about Ron DeSantis. And right. I, I hate these – these smash mouth primaries. Um, but this is how Donald Trump has done so well. But things can change. This time, I think I'm right in saying this time in 2015, so this time about a year before the 2016 primaries when Donald Trump proved victorious, the big winner in these polls was Jeb Bush, and Donald Trump wasn't polling very highly. So, so things can change. Um, Donald Trump is is obviously able to generate. You put it better than I can, Tony. You, you were very articulate on this. He generates a ton of energy in a movement, but I don't know if he generates enough energy to win a presidential race. Uh, the, right. The, right. La- the last it's, it's, several uh, I, races, yeah. he has not. His candidates have not. Some of them did okay, but but the larger story is not so much. The larger story is the midterms. The larger story is 2020. The larger story is the Georgia Senate race. Uh, it's 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 sort of a question of 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 energy versus intellect. They both have a great record. I mean, his record as president right. is excellent. Governor DeSantis's record of governor is excellent. Um, and I, I I don't know, but then again, I. Um, you know, you never know what can happen. Maybe, maybe there's right, this. Well, sur- I, maybe there's I, a surge for for Larry. Maybe, maybe there's a surge for Ramaswamy. Who knows? It's way too early. You and I are old enough to remember. Probably, I gather you're old enough to remember when everyone thought Fred Thompson would be the nominee, or when everyone thought right. uh, when everyone whenever when everyone thought Scott Walker would be the nominee. Things can change, and who knows what these legal cases will mean for the Trump campaign. Um, so it's it's probably too early. I just wish they'd I wish they'd talk about what the left is doing to America and not what each other is doing to the Republican Party. That's that that would be my wish. Yeah, no, that for sure. Well, and I just again, I look to you for political guidance. The only the your, only other thing I want to say, you're very yes. kind. The only other yes. thing I want to say, and we had this about a week ago, someone called uh, about a week ago and said, you know, the only Trump crowd. If you support DeSantis, you're a rhino and that sort of thing. We need to stop that, too. Um, Yeah, we do. I'm not going to tell you what to say and what to think. I'll just tell you what I say and think, which is by no definition is Ron DeSantis a liberal or a lefty or a weak Republican. By no definition is someone who goes after these great left-wing cultural institutions that. You can like ribeye and you can like New York Strip. And if you're a devotee of one over and against the other, neither make you a vegetarian. Right. Well, uh, just as, as a side note, and I think I talked to you about this about a week or two ago, I, I think this situation with Trump and Bragg in New York, it, it only adds oxygen to his flame, and I think it's what the Democrats want. I, I think the Democrats want Trump to be the candidate, and hopefully as we roll down the pike here, DeSantis will get some steam and... And uh, he'll be able to hopefully take some of that oxygen away from Trump. And uh, and uh, and uh, I'm hoping that he's going to be our candidate. But but if not, if Trump is candidate, I'll vote for him. But I'm hoping it's going to be DeSantis. That's kind of where I am. And I'll you know, I'll give everyone I'll give everyone a fair shake as best I can. 
But I'm, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, I supported Donald Trump heavily in 2016. Obviously, heavily in 2020. I uh, wrote a book and started a couple institutions to help elect him and explain his election. I, um, I just, I just think that. At the end of the day, there's he puts us too much on the defensive, and he he's 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 got an energy with the group that supports him, but I think it's really hard to expand beyond it with 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 some of his negatives. I really do, and I know Don, I know they all have negatives, but it seems to me that you know four elections in a row that he's not been able to win either by himself or with his candidates and proxies is kind of a message we ought to be as political sophisticates taking seriously. Right. That's hey, uh, Seth, thanks so much, and have a great weekend. You betcha. And if he does win, we'll be all in for him, and we'll do everything we want. I like Dennis Prager's line. I have one interest here, and it's not pro-DeSantis. It's not pro-Trump. It's not pro-Ramaswamy. It's not pro-Elder. It's defeating the left. And whatever the wisdom is, the um, whatever the wisdom is here by the... Uh, Vox Populi in these primaries. We'll roll up our sleeves and work damn hard because, <clears throat> as they're all saying, we have, we have a country to save, but we have more than a country to save. I mean, we have a world to save. I mean, if America falls, as Ronald Reagan put it, where else do people look? Where else do people have to go? Um, this is the last stand on earth, as Ronald Reagan put it. This is the last best hope, as Thomas Jefferson put it. This is the last best hope of earth, as Abraham Lincoln improved on it. And it is the last best hope of mankind, as Ronald Reagan would put it in the 1980s. Uh, So you look at what's going on here. You look at the importation from the kinds of stuff I was talking about in my monologue today. Uh, Yeah, Mao Marxism is here. You thought you thought Marxism alone was bad. Take a look at what they're doing with the importation of Mao Marxism, which is taking over the Democratic Party, whether they know it or not, whether they want you to know it or not. By the way, uh, yeah, okay, good. We'll get some more. Uh, we'll get some more calls here. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Open line Friday. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. This your open lines Friday, 602-508-0960. Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob. Hi, Seth. I, uh, happy Friday to you, sir. Happy Friday to um, you. Thank you. I just had uh, my first cataract surgery a couple days ago, and um, uh, it, it's hard because I'm not able to read until Mrs. Rob gave me a couple of her bifocal reading glasses, and now... This is my left eye in two weeks. I get to do my right eye. Just good times. Well, we'll send One you all our, our uh, best thoughts for speedy recovery <laughs> yeah, and now, successful surgery. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. It, it worked out, I guess. I'm, uh, you know, I can still see out of it. And using, I guess I'm now officially farsighted. Okay. Um, anyway, and, and then I'll uh, have to have reading glasses, but who cares? I'm old anyway. Um, One thing that I found really interesting, this uh Actually, I find a lot of stuff. I was going to talk about the marijuana thing yesterday, but one of your guests pretty much covered everything I wanted to, so I didn't, I didn't bother. But um, today, with the whole, uh, with the women in sports primarily, and that seems to be what's driving a lot of this uh, transgender publicity, uh, which is more of a mental psychop- psychopathy, I think, than than anything else. 
the uh, Congress had passed yesterday this uh, Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act. Um, every Republican voted for it. Every Democrat voted against every it. single one of them. All two hundred and three. Every single every one, single one yeah. of them. Every single yeah. one of them. There were there were like uh, ten, I think, Democrats who didn't vote. That's right. And there were three Republicans who didn't vote. One of whom was Lauren Boebert, who I was kind of surprised, unless she was just out of town or not not available. But I think something along those lines. I, I guess the argument on the Democrat side is that they don't think it's fair. They don't think it's fair that you can't have transgendered people in sports. Well, fairness doesn't have anything to do with it. I mean, and if this is the type of thing, I mean, this this exposes them for the kind of people they are almost as good as, as well, their endless tax and spend money we don't have bills that uh, you can't find out where the money that they've taken from us goes to or how much the big guy gets from it, <laughs> you know. I wish we had better accountability. But I think, you know, besides the t- typical tax and spend Democrats, you now have people that are drinking this, this transgender Kool-Aid. And they, correct me if I'm wrong, we, we do not have a very high majority of these kinds of people in America, and therefore... Why do they cater to them if they're not that not big even of not block? not not yeah I don't even know if it's a half a percent but I will tell you that yeah. um, you know you said something interesting there when you said I guess it's because they don't you know they they think this is a matter of fairness the Democrats do I'm not so sure um, I mean maybe they do they are unable to articulate the principle upon which they make these votes. All you have, right. I mean, Katie Porter, who's running for uh, Senate in California to replace Diane Feinstein, Diane, excuse me, Diane Feinstein. Uh, she was, you know, on with Bill Maher last Friday, and uh, Pierce, Pierce Morgan, who's no conservative, just tore her apart on this because she couldn't articulate why uh, tra- uh, transgendered women shouldn't compete in sports. They can't articulate why. They just kind of know they have to be there. They, they kind of know they have to support it because it's the most woke thing to do. And, and you know, when you stop and think about the whole point of protecting Title IX for women and uh, protecting uh, athletic, uh, athletic endeavors for women uh, and the Republican Party to a, to a person unanimously supported this, you think about some of the stuff Donald Trump did with the Republican Party and making it, once again— the party of the working class, and yeah. making it once again a party that um, can can be attractive to ethnic minority voters in this country. Uh, the Republican Party may be, uh, again, once again, as it was going all the way back to the 1920s, the party of women again, um, yeah. the party of protecting women. I would campaign on this. I would urge people campaign on this. I mean, uh, I don't understand why you even have. I don't even understand what the point of Title IX is if you can't define what a woman is. Your Secretary of Education can't define what a woman is, refused to do so three times this week. You have Supreme Court justices who won't define. They want to erase women. We don't. We don't. He shares the axis upon which the earth rotates. 
and, and always has. And always has. And of a sudden they come in with this mal-Marxist erasure of women notion because some guy wants to uh, wants to win win competitions and thinks he's going to do it by getting his kicks out of beating up and beating women. Well, we're here saying that's not what equality, that's not what feminism is about. And if we have to put up our, you know, uh, 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 Elise Stefanik's and and if we have to put up our our Republican women, uh, Congress uh, like Congress women like Debbie Lesko to reteach this lesson, we'll do it. I'm surprised oh, we yeah. have to. I'm surprised we yeah. have to, given what feminism was in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Go back and listen well, to the what? Miss Foundation Free to Be You and Me album. Go back and listen to oh, the yeah. kinds of stuff they were saying on Sesame Street. Go back and listen to the kinds of stuff this new wave of feminism was instructing us on. Girls, be yeah. proud of your bodies. You can become anything you want, except yeah. except daddies and granddaddies. Exactly. That's not me, well, by the way. I'm quoting Harry, Harry Belafonte and Marlo Thomas. That's right. Uh, but that's fine. You have the right to do that. It's your show. Um, now, Democrats maybe just haven't been affected by any of this directly yet. Um, I, you know, their children or I, or if there are those Democrats who have these kinds of children, maybe that's kind of what's pushing. I don't know. I haven't See, I think that's that, the but... other thing. They all know this is wrong. They all know it. That's yeah. why they can't articulate why it's right. They all know it's wrong because we all know it. It's an emperor without clothes. And the and the oh, yeah. lie is was pointed out earlier on the on this show this week when I had um, Michelle Tafoya, and she made the point. She said uh, she said notice how uh, how how no girls are joining boys teams. Why yeah. is that? Why exactly. is that? Why are no girls joining boys teams? Because they know damn yeah. well they can't compete. They know damn well they're not going to beat them. That's where the lie is here. Everyone knows this, Rob. Everyone knows it. Oh, yeah. Now, on the bright side, the next superintendent of the United States Naval Academy is going to be a female, the first ever. Okay. So uh, just wanted to throw that out. Okay. uh, Just because, you know, the show about equality and and what have you. Uh, Combat readiness and stuff. And she's not transgender. She's actually married to the... Commander Navy Special Warfare Command, so he's a SEAL. So good update. Definitely, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, good to know. There's some real women Fun fact. Out there. Okay, thank yeah. you. <laughs> anyway, have a great weekend. There you go. Naval Academy. They're subject to. Um, yeah, right. They're a higher education institute of higher education too. All right, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. With all the vagaries in the economy, whether it's bank failures or stock market volatility or a recession on the horizon, what if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return not correlated to the Fed or the stock market? Why Refi is offering you an investment in a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time, and not correlated to the stock market or the Fed, there are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Why Refi is based locally, I encourage you to stop by their offices over on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there and tell you, you won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. They might offer you the opportunity to play one of Don's trumpets over there. <laughs> when you meet with the team, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you'll be able to as well. A due diligence approved firm, you can earn up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10.25% fixed rate of return. 
Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. 888-YREFI-34. With a proof of life, our former producer, no one's an ex-producer around here, our former producer, Bill, is in the studio. He has been uh, elevated here in the... uh, in the, uh, in the company, and uh, he is now Assistant Operations Manager, and we're delighted uh, to have you in studio. So we don't forego our What Did I Learn This Week segment, Bill. Oh, what did definitely. you learn this week, sir? Welcome Thank back you. to the microphone, by the way. Thank you. And by the way, it's Assistant to the Operations <laughs> <laughs> The old Dwight Schrute thing. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. And I've learned this week that we're running out of unique names, or at least names that <laughs> sound too similar to other names. <laughs> Um, just ask frequent Fox guest Jimmy Fallia yeah. or James Comer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do with Dylan Mulvaney or Milkvaney or whatever? Oh, yes. You Dil- played out Dil- 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 well, you got Dylan Dil- Mulvaney and Der- Dermot Mc- Mulrooney and you've, you've got Dylan a Dylan McDermott. Dylan McDermott. Yeah. No, you've, yeah, we're running, are we running out of names? We've saturated the name. And it, and those last two that you mentioned, they did this, the same thing. That doesn't help much either. They were actors in the yeah. 90s. Yeah. That was their heyday. Same kinds of roles. Yeah. Very confusing. Okay. So you learned we've run out of names. Or at least some of these guys. You know, Jimmy Fallia should go by James or Maybe something. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. And James. So what about Mike Gallagher? We have two oh, famous yeah. Mike Gallagher's. Yeah. We have the congressman and we have the radio host. One of you should change to Mickey or Go to Mike, Michael Mikey. or Mickey. Yeah. Yeah. Or we just call him Gallagher, but that doesn't help because then we could be talking about the comedian. Yeah, smash a watermelon. Yeah, the it, late, ta- the it, late it, Gallagher. it takes some gumption for a guy named Bill to realize this. You do understand that, don't you? Plenty of famous Bills. I'm just merely standing on the shoulders of giant Bills. <laughs> <laughs> and to our new producer, David Dahl, Hello. what did we learn this week? And uh, by we, I mean you. Uh, me, yes, me, this guy. Uh, today, in 1976, this day in 1976... The last convertible was supposed to roll off the assembly lines at General Motors. Really? It was a 1976 Cadillac Eldorado, and there was a big fanfare that that was going to be it. There were no more convertibles. Everything had to be hard tops. There were, you know, strong metal beams. The convertibles were no longer safe. And what was the justification for getting rid of convertible safety, I presume? Uh, yeah, and all the... Uh, an abundance of... <laughs> an abundance of, abundance of caution. Yeah. Yes, an abundance of caution. You're right. <laughs> Do you know what the silver lining on that is? Uh, no. Let's connect the dots. The silver lining on that is though we predicted that there would be or though we ordered that there would be no more convertibles, particularly convertible Cadillacs, I guess, we got them. We got them back, yeah. So though we are ordering that there be no more combustion engine cars and that, uh, you know, in California by, what, 2030, is it, or 2035, we will no longer have gas. We won't be allowed to sell new gas-powered cars, and there are all these new emission standards trying to get rid of the combustible engine. Maybe those, uh, maybe those, uh, those obituaries are written a little, too, a little too early and a little too quickly. You got something on that? Think of how many cool early 80s scenes of, in cop shows of jumping into the convertible uh, we would have missed out on had— well, the most important one, of course. I always miss the most important one. Really? Uh-oh. Oh, really? Uh-oh. Oh, you need to go to the punishment room for oh, this. Of <laughs> did, did Magnum have a convertible? Asking the question is worse than not knowing that Magnum is the right <laughs> answer. Asking the question is worse, Bill. Worse. I forgot the, the number one rule of holes. Yeah. When you're in one, stop digging. Yeah, stop digging. I, um, it, it would be like me doing sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get you started. Yeah, don't get me started. Remember when I blew that hole 
What was it? Well, I got every part of a sentence wrong. See, you said something I got the like coach Stanford wrong, the team wrong, and the sport wrong. John Wooten. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what did I say? Stanford basketball coach? Stanford football. Stanford football coach John Wooten. Yeah, right. I got every part of it wrong. Those Eldorado Cadillacs, whew, those were gorgeous vehicles, the Beautiful convertibles. That Their trunks, their trunks were bigger than most cars. They were fantastic. All right. 602-508-0960. I want to tell you what I think may be the most important story in politics, law, and just fundamental decency is when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. Um, let me read you from Ari Blaff within, at the National Review. Within days of the New York Post, within days of the New York Post, first breaking news of Hunter Biden's laptop... This would have been back in uh, 20, uh, 2020. Within days, then a senior official on Joe Biden's campaign, Secretary, now Secretary of State Antony Blinken, reached out to a former CIA operative to collect signatures from a senior American intelligence figure to discredit the story. This according to recently declassified congressional testimony. Mike Morell, he's a former deputy director of the CIA, and a signatory to the, infa the infamous letter, reportedly told the House Judiciary Committee in private sworn testimony that Blinken personally reached out to him to manufacture the letter to undermine the credibility of the Post's reporting on the eve of the 2020 election. Representative Jim Jordan, Ohio, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, sent a letter to Blinken yesterday demanding more information about the public letter signed by those 51 senior intelligent operatives who dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop story as likely Russian disinformation. Jordan wrote, we are examining the origins of the infamous public statement signed by 51 former intelligence officials that falsely discredited a New York Post story regarding Hunter Biden's laptop as supposed Russian disinformation. Morell testified that you reached out to him, you, Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, you reached out to him to discuss the Hunter Biden laptop story. At the time, you served as a senior advisor to the Biden campaign. According to Morell, although your outreach was couched as simply gathering Morell's reaction to the Post story, it set in motion the events that led to the issuance of the public statement. When asked... What the intention of the letter was, the former intelligence agent explained that he had two motivations. One intent was to share our concern with the American people that the Russians were playing on this issue. And two, it was to help Vice President Biden. Morrell further added that several other Biden officials were aware of the exchange, including Andrew Bates, the Democratic presidential candidate's rapid response director, and Steve Reschetti, the campaign chairman. The letter was, of course, signed by heavyweight national security figures like former CIA directors John Brennan and Leon Panetta. And um, the letter said it had all the classic earmarks. The story had all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation. The transcripts of um, Morell's testimony are damning. They're damning in showing that Blinken reached out to him to set in motion collection of signatures to debunk the story. Now, when people want to talk about the unfairness or the distortions of the 2020 election, if they want to talk about election interference, 2020 had it. It's just that it came from the Democrats. 
they buried the story. Now, you see Democrats' response, and the Democrats in the Senate have responded, excuse me, in the House, have responded saying, this is, a, this is much ado about a three-year-old tabloid story. It's not much ado about a three-year-old tabloid story. If it were much ado about a three-year-old tabloid story, 51 senior intelligence officials wouldn't have written the letter, and Facebook and Twitter wouldn't have banned the New York Post story. They wouldn't have suspended their accounts, and people would have learned about the story, and it would have changed the outcome of election. There are at least two polls, exit polls, that have substantiated that if enough voters knew about the enough Biden voters knew about the story, they wouldn't have voted for him. Enough in the swing states to swing the election definitively to Donald Trump. That's election interference. And let's speculate what could occur here. What could occur here if Blinken has to testify on this or if his responses end up in countering morale and being perjurious? You could see the resignation of the Secretary of State, for one. I'm still arguing that the national security clearances of all these signatories to that letter, all 51 signatories, should be permanently yanked. Permanently. I don't even understand why former intelligence officials who are not currently in office still have access to their national security clearances. They abuse and misuse them for partisan purposes. They weaponize them and lord over the rest of us how they see things we don't. Adam shifted this to a fairly well for four years of the Trump administration, promising that he had seen things that he couldn't reveal that were smoking guns, and he never revealed them. We just had to take his word for it, just as we had to take these 51 national security officials and intelligence officials' word for it. And Joe Biden used it in the presidential debates. Joe Biden said those 51 signatories said this is a Russian disinformation campaign. It was not. And Hunter Biden lied on 60 Minutes when he was interviewed about it, saying he wasn't sure if it was his laptop or not. He couldn't tell for sure. And the FBI lied about it because they had possession of it for at least a year before the story was broken by the New York Post. And the rest of the media has dirty fingers on this as well because they didn't probe any of those 51 intelligence officials, including those with MSNBC and CNN contracts, as to what their evidence was. Nor did they hammer the FBI in trying to find out why they weren't releasing information from the laptop, nor were they at all concerned about the fact that the New York Post, a fellow member of the media, a newspaper founded by Alexander Hamilton, no less, was being censored. Nor did they give a damn about social media being asked to censor the story so that people couldn't read about it. This thing stinks to higher heavens than even all the scandal around the Steele dossier because it was so much bigger and everyone kind of knew what they should have been doing and weren't. The press threw in the towel of their journalistic credentials. Hugo Black and William O. Douglas in the Pentagon Papers case wrote, the press was to serve the governed. This press was to serve the governed, not the governors. The government's power to censor the press was abolished so that the press would remain forever free to censure or criticize the government. The press became the handmaiden 
of the Democratic Party. And it changed an election. It changed an election. And it censored a fellow member of the press and said it was okay to do so. And now you have the U.S. Secretary of State being fingered as the person who started this ball rolling and encouraged it all. It wasn't Morrill's idea. It was Blinken's idea. We're supposed to have a government as good as the people and be maybe too much of a stretch to ask for a government better than the people. We have one that's worse, much worse. We still have some general admission tickets left for the Dennis Prager Cigar Night, which will take place next Thursday, April 27th. It's going to be a gorgeous event, beautiful in the shade and outdoors, uh, the bottom of uh, Camelback Mountain. I'll be there interviewing Dennis, but we'll have a great cocktail hour, cigars for you, and great food. Uh, it's being kept deliberately small so that everyone has a chance to talk with Dennis if they want to and speak with him, shake his hand, whatever you want. And uh, I'll, of course, be there. I'll be interviewing Dennis for the main event. Uh, We have a few guests, regular guests from this show who are local who will be there as well. Uh, It's going to be great. You can get your tickets at 960thepatriot.com, 960thepatriot.com. I'll be asking Dennis for his thoughts on everything we talk about here And if you have ideas of questions you want me to ask, uh, feel free to call or email me with those questions. A few of you have, and I'm going to try and integrate them into my uh, session with Dennis. I just can't think of a better person to hear from right now in person. I can't think of a better venue. It'll be lovely. If you don't smoke cigars, you don't have to. If you're uh, in any way irritated by it, there's a section that will be available where you don't. Uh, where it'll be no smoking and all that. So outdoors, wonderful event, uh, 960thepatriot.com to get your uh, to get your tickets. We were interviewing, speaking of local guests uh, who make national news, we were interviewing ASU professor Owen Anderson. He was one of the professors, one of the three, only three, who uh, stood up on behalf of uh, and against the rest of the faculty that was condemning Dennis Prager for coming to ASU a couple months back. And uh, we, were inter- we were talking with Owen Anderson on air about a week ago, and he was talking about this new, uh, this new effort of DEIB. We knew DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? We knew what that was. And then they added a B about a week ago. Maybe it was two weeks ago at ASU, but we learned about it a week ago. Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Well, that didn't get the job done, even though it's only been with us about a month. So now there's a new letter. It's D-E-I-B and J for justice. Diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and justice. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we are expanding these things. Uh, someone will come up with something else before next week is out. We could imagine and guess as to what it might be. I don't have one yet. Diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and justice. D-E-I-B-J-F. Diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, justice, and fairness. I don't know. I'll take your, I'll take your nominations. I'll be right back. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.